0: And we all went up to D'Amero, hey there, who's your man? It's only Johnny Forty Coats, he's a desperate man. Bang Bang shoots the buses with his golden key. Hey, hi, in the eye and out goes she. Whoa, internet. That was the Dubliners and a wee section from their song called The Miro. The reason why I opened the show with that today is because today's episode which is episode 33 of the Rebel Matters podcast is a sit down chat with Dan Lambert who runs the Bang Bang Cafe in Fibsra in Dublin with his sister Grace. The Bang Bang Cafe is actually named after an old Dublin street character whose nickname was Bang Bang and who lived in Dublin up until 1981 when he passed away when he was age 74. So I asked Dan a little bit about that During the podcast, and he kind of explains a little bit more about the background of where the whole thing came from and what kind of stuff Bang Bang was getting up to in and around Dublin. But I thought it was a nice way to open up the show today, just to uh, set set the vibes for what's coming up, which is going to be a really interesting conversation. It's actually been a bit of a mental week for me so far. Uh, This week I was up in Dublin recording this podcast with Dan during the day on the Wednesday and that was just before Kneecap kind of took over the Bang Bang Cafe and had a little daytime gig in aid of the West Bank Gym Project that we have just launched Uh, the GoFundMe for officially this week. A little bit more about that in a minute but first of all I want to fill you in on how the whole thing with the Bang Bang Cafe came about first of all. Myself, Makara and Mowgli Bob from a kneecap were up in Madden's Bar over Christmas and Makara had an exceptionally nice Adidas jacket on and myself and Makara were walking up to the bar when a fella turned around to him, was here mate that's a class jacket and uh Macara goes, oh, thanks very much, mate, thank you. Actually, one of my friends gave it to me. And then the person who asked Macara that turned around to someone else and says, how do you say that's a nice jacket in Irish? And lo and behold, who was it when she turned around? But really, Pete from Lankham. And the person who asked the question in the first place was her partner, Dan, who runs the Bang Bang Cafe with his sister, Grace. So after that, we were like, whoa, it's like you're really Pete from Lankham. And uh, we got chatting talking away, having a bit of crack up in Team Madden and then Makara went off to the bathroom and I said to Rayleigh and Dan, do you know that, uh, did he tell you that he they have a band as well? And they're like, no, no, what's the name of the band? And uh, we're like, oh, Kneecap. Kneecap. And then all of a sudden really goes, whoa, did I did a lovely love kneecap. And then when Makara came back from, from the bar, we all joined up forces and started chatting and drinking pints for the rest of the night. And somewhere along the line, we started talking about Palestine and the stuff that we were doing down in Ackley to um, open out a, a gym in the West Bank this year. And then Dan obviously then brought up the Bang Bang Cafe, which is an absolutely unbelievable spot in Fibsborough for food, tea, coffee, get together, social events, and also for bringing awareness to Local, national, and international issues that you might not hear about so much in the mainstream media. So, somewhere along the line, it was suggested that Kneecap would come down to uh, the, the Bang Bang Cafe and do a little daytime gig. And it just so happens that they were playing in the Workman's Club last Wednesday and on Tuesday as well. Two sold out nights, which were absolutely mental, also. So they coordinated the the second workman's gig with a daytime gig in the Bang Bang Cafe. And before that kicked off, I went up to Dublin early and sat down with Dan to talk to him about where Bang Bang came from, the philosophy of the place and the different issues that they've been kind of bringing attention to. And the whole kind of approach to business and the role of a business within a community was something that really... It, it really interests me in general because of the the work, the work, type of work that we do with Ackley and it kind of struck me that the Bang Bang is sort of the cafe version of Ackley and that Ackley is the gym version of the Bang Bang. That's not to say that uh, we're up there on the same level of bringing awareness to social issues as the Bang Bang because they're doing some amazing work but I know that the philosophy of the business and the, the efforts that we make are definitely lined up with the way the Bang Bang have set themselves up in the community in Filsborough there. So that's what made it really, really super interesting 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 for me to get up there and sit down with Dan to have the chats about um, where that whole thing came from and to kind of like shoot the breeze a little bit and swap ideas and thoughts about how we're both running our businesses in a way that is like sort of should be beneficial to the community that we're based in which is a massive part of the approach in Ackley as well on top of providing like a really good uh, professional service in the same way that the Bang Bang are providing unbelievable food and coffee like Dan gave me a sandwich that was out of this world when I went up there, and a cup of coffee that was one of the best cups of coffee I ever had in my life and actually when I went in there, which was about one o'clock and the kneecap gig was going to kick off about half past three as soon as I walked in, I was talking to about four or five different people, like you no know, meeting people it was like it was like something out of cheers where you just go in there and you know you're kind of in your you're with your tribe, and it was a very welcoming environment, and you're talking to people who you can kind of relate to and getting to know new people straight away. Everyone was really, really friendly. So if you're in and around the area up there, go and flip and check them out. Uh, they're on Facebook, and they've got an nice website, bangbang.ie as well, so you can check that out. But um, the best thing to do is to go up there and stick the head in. I would actually recommend going to Dublin just to go in so that you can go into the Bang Bang Cafe. Before we get stuck into the episode with Dan, just a few things to mention. First of all, the Rebel Matters podcast is gathering momentum and I am really, really enjoying putting the episodes together every week and releasing them on Friday morning. The episodes come out at 7 o'clock in the morning every Friday. So thanks very much for kind of supporting the podcast and for coming back every week and if it's your first time listening to the podcast then you're very welcome to the Rebel Matters podcast. Um, Go back and have a look through the other episodes when you finish this one and pick out a title and have a listen to that one as well. A couple of weeks ago I launched the Patreon account for this podcast which is a platform that allows people to support the podcast by giving a monthly subscription of whatever amount that you fancy. It's just a way to help cover the costs of the production and the travel and putting the podcast up online and most importantly it's just a little way to let me know that you're out there and as you're listening and to kind of help keep the whole show on the road because at the end of the day without the support of the listeners then there is no podcast, I'd just be sitting here in the room talking to myself, shit crack so if you want to do that you can go over to the Patreon account, you'll find the Rebel Matters podcast on patreon.com and you can see the details of how you can support the podcast there but as I was saying, the podcast, it's building, it's just me and the guests. Uh, I travel around, meet guests, sometimes I do the interviews in Cork and then I spend a bit of time editing and producing the episodes and recording these intros and what have you and whatnot. So a big part of that is, I suppose, building a presence on social media. So one way that you can help the podcast today is to get your phone out go on instagram and find rebel underscore matters on instagram which is the instagram account for this podcast and give it a like share the episodes with your friends share them around and also of course as usual leave a wee five star rating and review wherever you're listening to this podcast thanks very much now anyway one more thing before we get stuck into the podcast as i said we are planning to open a gym in the west bank this year and the first part, the first phase of that project is the fundraising where we need to raise 30 grand in total. We have also already raised a few quid through the pop-up shop that we held in Ackley in December. We raised nearly six grand during that day. We got just under 500 quid out of the event that necap had uh, in the Bang Bang Cafe. So thanks very much to necap and for Dan and everyone who came to the Bang Bang to support that event. Uh, the, another big part of the fundraising campaign is the GoFundMe campaign, which I launched just the other day. You can find that on gofundme.com forward slash West Bank Gym. And I've got more details about the project there, but believe me, this is going to be one of the most worthwhile projects that you can get involved in this year. We're going to go over, we're going to raise the money, we're going to bring people over to Cork from the Ada Refugee Camp in Bethlehem in the West Bank. We're going to train them up on how to run a self-sufficient health program that then we're going to go over with them, install the gym in the Laji Centre on the bottom floor and then the people, the young people in the camp are going to run that program to help um, I guess help create better living circumstances and a slightly better quality of life for the people in the Ada refugee camp who are living under constant Israeli uh, occupation and are getting constant harassment, tear gas getting fired into the camp uh, indiscriminately the Israeli army testing new forms of tear gas in the camp and the Israeli authorities switching on and off the water whenever they want to and in actual effect there's certain times of the year where there's weeks where they go by where they haven't got running water and that's not because of a shortage of water in the West, West Bank it's because of the fact that the The water infrastructures are absolutely shite because the Israeli government have refused to provide proper water infrastructure under their occupation. And then they also just choose to switch the water off. And what that results in is people have to collect water on top of their roofs. But as you know, like the West Bank is in the Middle East and it's pretty goddamn warm out there sometimes. So there's not always enough uh, rainfall to gather water. So those living conditions kind of resulted in a very high incidence of diabetes, blood pressure and a whole host of mental health issues that come with living under that type of strain. And whenever I was out there in August, I wanted to find a project that would be uh, productive, creative and useful for the people out there. And this is what we've come up with because of the fact that at ACLE we're helping people become healthier as our everyday activity. That's our bread and butter is to help people build healthier bodies and, um, and by default, then healthier remains, and just help people enjoy being physically active, which is a very difficult thing to do when you're living under the constant strain of occupation in the West Bank. So get involved with that project if you can. Really, really help us help support this project and help us get it off the ground. We're in the early stages, but we've got a lot of work to do. And if you want to, to do that, then go to um, GoFundMe.com forward, stretch, forward slash Forward slash West Bank Jim Gormila Mohigit. Right, let's not delay any further and get stuck into this bloody interesting conversation that I had with Dan Lambert. Winsalt. But we're good to go now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just as well I realised at the start. <laughs> um, so, how, how did the Bang Bang Cafe start off? Uh, yeah, I always have to in. I was
1: in America living in New York, and my sister was living in Australia, and um, we're back a little while each, and um, I we just saved a little bit of money, and we're just thinking of what, well, what we might do about, kind of deciding, I suppose, what to do, and uh, yeah. I... I this little book is writing down ideas of things to maybe we we could do or i could do or you know just we weren't sure if we do something together um and i had this little book of maybe 10 ideas and i, I was sure now all of them would work some of them were mad and some of them needed a lot of money uh, what were the other ones over there i uh, had stuff about like building a rope bridge uh near the cliffs of moor. sort of like the one up the north carrick ridge <laughs> yeah but having one of them near the cliffs of moor, stuff like that mad stuff and uh, but one of them was a, was a shop that was what fairly easy to try and do, whether it'd work or not, it was different. And then uh, my sister's really good at food and stuff, she likes food, I, d- I just like chatting, so that would that suit. And we just <laughs> said, Yeah, we do it, and uh, yeah, it's gone
0: gone fairly well.
1: And that was it, yeah.
0: We just it's hey, on the go about three years now, is it? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah,
1: just three years. So it? uh, it's yeah, it's it's gone, it's just flown by us, but like we're in the anyone who has who's never been like we're in kind of hidden away totally, you'd never find it unless you were looking for it. And I, I think in hot, I've chat to people since that I asked, I was telling people we're going to do this and people were like, oh yeah, no, that's, I'd say that'll go well. And they told me afterwards, like, they were like, you fucking idiot, like, this is not going to work, you know? <laughs> so uh, it's, uh,
0: yeah, it's going to okay, work. What was, it about the, what was it about the project that they thought wouldn't work in it
1: Just where it is, I suppose. And also like, I don't drink coffee, uh, you know? So like your coffee shop... Uh, and me me or, or my sister had never worked in a shop or a cafe or anything like that so uh i think all the like if we had i went to a bank they would have told you to go away you know there was no way but it, it should have worked but i suppose um yeah maybe because maybe you bring a bit of personality to something if you haven't done it before or
0: you know i think sometimes you can if you've done something you end up doing it like everyone else maybe and it's a bit boring yeah so. I actually can relate to that. Whenever I opened up the gym down in Cork, it was in 2013 and the first time I went in with like the little business plan whatever, the, the local enterprise woman board or whatever and they were like, don't do this. It's like, it's just like, this is not a good idea. Your business plan, first of all, is too thin. Like just do something else Leave it out, yeah uh, so i was like uh, or like but if you do do it come back in a year and i came back in a year and I was like he oh, said i wasn't going to be able to do it there after doing double what we said we were going to do in the right. first year he's like what about now support us now and they were like no <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like a lone red from the beginning yeah 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 <laughs> with that and then
1: i just think yeah if you do some i i, I really do think and i like i've always kind of i don't know whether it's from my parents or or what it is but i've always thought that aside from like you know like i'm not like I, I couldn't become an opera singer tomorrow or i couldn't like you know become a Formula one driver you know what i mean or something like that you know but if, if it if it doesn't require years and years of like really investment to be in, in something like to be you know that you can more or less do anything and um, uh, and anyone can anyone can do whatever they want to do it's just that you're i think you're always told oh you have to do this or yeah, you have to have done that before you know and if you get past that and just say nah look be fine i think i think Maybe people in life get stuck into things and, and they're so far into a job, maybe don't like it. And they're like, I oh, know, but you know, I don't, I don't really know anything else. You can do anything.
0: Anyone can do anything. Just- I was talking to a couple of people before I came up here <clears throat> and tell them that I was going to be coming up and having a chat with you and that we were going to be going it that kneecap. We're doing a bit of a gig in the, in the shop today. And I've never been in the cafe so i was like have you ever been in the in the bank like, oh, they're very socially aware up there and <laughs> where does that where does that come from the fact that you do seem to kind of do a lot of things that are kind of reaching out into the community and bringing awareness to stuff yeah i think that's
1: just what uh when we like what me and my sister and now and now the staff are, are about like you know just uh there's no i suppose like when you set out to do anything like you need you need to everyone needs to make a certain amount of money unfortunately in society we live in you need a certain amount of money to just to live but beyond that i think uh me and grace when we set it up um we de- we're not really interested in like having you know tried to set up something just that would help you you know and uh so we we, we wanted to try and uh have what we said when we sat down was that the shop should be t- should be first and foremost that people enjoy the food and the coffee because if they don't like that they're not going to come back but past that that it should have a net positive impact in the area that it that if you look back after five years or ten years or whenever you look back and you, you say you know that thing made made a a wage for us and for staff and that um that it should have a positive impact on the area and the other thing we said is that when people come in they should remember being there in a positive way and if that's because you know they they we were raising money for something or they were made aware of some issue they weren't aware of or they liked the music or whatever but that, that 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 going past the food and drink that it should have a net positive impact so we do lo- loads of stuff really there's been a lot when you we look back at the three years actually just to, trying to look back to see what we'd who we'd raise money for and stuff and all of it is people buying into it's not us raising the money it's the people coming in we're just putting the ideas out there it's the people in the local area and the people who come into us and people online that get behind it so uh, yeah it's just nice to be able to do that
0: yeah, what kind of stuff have you, have you worked for in the last few years oh, so for organisations
1: uh, Pierre mcvery Trust the Bohemian Foundation which is the Bose charity um, Dublin Rape Crisis Centre Irish Palestine Solidarity Committee uh, the tomb for or the gravestone for bang bang um, and we've worked then with lots of other like the repeal we were a pop-up for appeal, so for appeal we were a pop-up for the together for yes campaign but then we also held our own separate um men um men's meetings so it's to try and encourage men who weren't engaging with the vote there's been a whole lot i'd need to look back over all this all this stuff but basically uh we did a bit for the uh irish traveler movement there's been loads and I suppose when stuff happens socially like around the I suppose the Me Too movement and the the Belfast trial we kind of got involved more with the Rape Crisis Centre and you know certain things would come up that you know we just kind of realised geez you know this isn't a good thing in society and around his name escapes me which is a really good thing that fellow who stood for presidential uh, candidate the guy from Derry
0: uh, when he came out with the kind of anti-traveling right. stuff. Peter Casey. Yeah, yeah.
1: So with all that, we were like, this
0: fella's getting too much air time, let's do something different and
1: raise some money for the Irish Traveller movement. Yeah,
0: like that kind of stuff is probably one of the main reasons why I wanted to have the chat with you about the podcast. So I just want to come back to it, But first of all, you mentioned um, Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. So I know that, that the, the cafe is named after a guy who was from the local area. I want to yeah. talk about that, about that a little bit before we get stuck right deeply. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the yeah who he strategies. was, like what? Yeah.
1: He, he's not that well known. I don't know how... My, uh, I think I know about him from... From my granddad, and I used to, growing up, I used to listen to a lot of trad and still do like, well, like, all types of music. But the Dubliners, I, I had a box set of Dubliners when I was about 14 or something. I used to love it. There was five CDs. I know all the songs. And one of them was the Mero, and the Mero mentions Bang Bang in it. But he was, a, uh, would say like this was something that was around Ireland as a whole. But in, in the kind of 50s, 40s, 50s and 60s, Dublin had uh, a load of these kind of street characters. And they're probably people today maybe with, with with drugs available or with, or you know with prescription medicine i think these people today are treated a lot different differently and maybe they're not seen um but bang bang was probably so like definitely somebody who who, who had a uh, maybe you know some mental health mild mental health issues maybe but he was just somebody who who uh, he grew up um in Cabra and was then um he was uh, so he was born in Cabra and he was he was raised in an orphanage and uh then he um, ended up when he was uh, 17 or 18 in Dublin Corporation, put him in a house in the inner city uh, off Cork Street. But his thing was that uh, he had a, a key. No one's sure where he got the key. It's in Pear Street now in the Dublin City Archive. If you can go in and see it. And uh, he, he just wandered the streets shooting his key at people, shouting bang, bang. And... Uh, and, like, the whole streets would stop. Like, I've spoken to, to older older people who come in, and they'd say, like, you know, he could be on O'Connell Street. And he, he his, his kind of favorite mode of transport was the back of an old bus, and he'd hang off the bus. And, like, guards would stop and shoot back with their batons, and, you know, people with umbrellas would fire back at him. And uh, he just brought, like, I suppose his, what he was doing really was bringing joy to, to the mundane, you know, a, a day in Dublin and this you know, it's a rainy day in, in the sixties in Dublin, and he's going around engaging in street battles, <laughs> and uh, just thought that was brilliant. And uh, it's just a real like there's, there's loads of other ones. There's a book called Do "You Remember Your Man" that goes through all the Dublin ones. But uh, yeah, we decided to name the shop after him because it's halfway between where he was raised in the orphanage and where he was buried in Drumcondra, and uh, ended up finding where he was buried through a friend of a friend's dad, and uh, the guy who buried him. We met, and he he buried him in like a. He, he died penniless. He he went blind in his later years and it uh, was monks that cared for him and they, they have this like pauper's plot. But the fellow who buried him, uh, we met and he said, I remember burying him. And, uh, I thought it was sad. There wasn't more people there. And he kind of made a little mark on the wall with like a chisel and the mark was still there. So we knew exactly where he was buried. So we just raised a bit of money and got a, a, a kind of gravestone and, uh, the Lord Mayor came and it was on the news and, uh, there was an actor who who'd written a monologue, and uh, uh, actually a, a guy called Dermot Bulger had written a monologue, and an actor did it. And We got an old nineteen fifties bus that he was probably on, out of the National Transport Museum. They brought it up and parked it outside, and it was oh it was really nice, you know. And uh, rather than put a cross on the on the uh, grave, stone, we put a key, and uh, we just had it, you know erected by uh, the people of Dublin. So it was that's class. When was it? When was that? It was about uh, two years ago. Yeah. So it was really. It was just a nice nice thing to do you know
0: oh, well, uh, is there is there like a video of it or something online people kind of, like, yeah about? yeah
1: there, there must be it was on the news and everything so it was uh, kind of was mad uh you know the people who kind of were interested in it, it which is a nice story really wasn't it you know so uh yeah there was stuff there's stuff on the internet and it was on different radio shows and things yeah. that's unreal what's the what's the quote you've got written on this on the front of the shop it says uh we look for signs that dublin's heart's still beating uh wh- where'd that come from that's a lyric of a, a Lancome song used to be called lynched, uh, called Cold All Far, And uh, it was, uh, that song is written by by uh, a friend, two friends of mine. Uh, wrote that song. So it's just, yeah, it was there. It's just, it just fits over the building and it was about, they were writing about, um, you know, Dublin during the recession and just, there's lots of, I think there's a lot, lot in that, in those few words. So
0: it kind of uh, it reminds me of the the rural Thames song. Yeah, it's kind of same kind of vibe. Yeah, well, yes, I
1: suppose looking at, uh, well, they were, yeah, just looking at Dublin and, and what it is, and is it something to be proud of, and where can you still find a bit of, you know, a bit of comfort and and maybe, yeah, it's, it's a song worth listening to. It's it's a kind of a an observation, I suppose, on on, on what Dublin is and was in the last few years.
0: Yeah, uh, is, is that. What, what do you think of that then?
1: Uh, I think it's funny because I was talking to a, there's a guy who has a, a Facebook thing called uh, The People We Meet. It's actually very good. It's like a, I don't know what you call it, maybe a video blog. And he was, uh, he, I was chatting to him and he was saying, you know, isn't Dublin great at the moment? There's lots of good stuff happening. And when it' am being negative, I was saying to him, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff happening. There's good people, but there's a lot of bad stuff happening. You know, like this, this city has become a place for you know, more and more inequality has become a place where these big tech companies and big banks are kind of driving people out and, uh, I think it's changing when you drive around the city it might look like there's been a lot of improvements but I think it's, unless you're, you know, earning a certain amount of money or, or from a certain background, uh, Dublin maybe isn't the best place to be at the moment. It's, you know, it's, like, it's just, you know, I have so many friends who are, who are, you know, who work and, are in their thirties and the chance of them owning a house is zero, you know. And I don't know if that's something to
0: be proud of. So mm. I think there's I, mixed, mixed stuff. I seen there was something there in Dublin about uh, sort of uh, slacking in the regulations about having a like cabin in your back garden, yeah. so that more people can start yeah. living at the back of their man dad's house. Yeah, it's so a lot of that. Throw
1: a drone up over Dublin and you see like people living in basically yeah log cabins. Just companies, dozens of companies selling them. The fact they've changed that law, like that says everything, doesn't it? Like they've you know, I can understand, I have a cousin who's just who's just done that, a cousin of mine and his, and his girlfriend have just done that, and they're delighted, you know, and, uh, and fair play to them in a way, uh, but it shouldn't have to be like that, no one should be living in a wooden cabin in their parents' back garden, and the fact they've changed the planning laws, uh, they've done that, obviously, to make this less of an issue, so less people are on... Housing waiting lists, or less people are are on the homeless list. They've done it because it suits
0: them. It's not a solution to help people. Yeah, it kind of it sounds familiar. It sounds similar to the situation that they had in San Francisco when all the tech companies moved in there, yeah. and all the San Franciscans had to like, just get out oh, <laughs> as, yeah. as fast as possible. But, um The take back the city then was fairly strong movement in Dublin. Whenever that kicked mm-hmm. off, is that still still going strong here? Or what? Uh, it died
1: down a bit, and I think. Um, the people and the people that were involved in that deserve a lot of credit. I suppose what they were highlighting was uh, you know, these vacant properties and especially the one in Summer Hill. Um, I don't know, like the, the guy the guy who owned them buildings was a very, very wealthy businessman. Uh and was basically a, a, a slumlord, that's what it was. I was in one of the buildings we went in to do a bit of filming and one of them there was about thirty people living in in about eight rooms. Um, you know, so it, it was horrific. It was it really was horrific. If you had a black and white camera you know, it would look like you were in the 1920s. It was absolutely unbelievable. There was a an, a room in the attic with I think there was four beds in it. There was one skylight that was about you know the size of a biscuit tin. There was a fire; everyone would have died. And uh and the guy who owned that building owned six of them in a row, and was uh bringing in um bringing in people who who you know maybe slightly vulnerable or in very low paid jobs, and that's all they could afford. Packing them in and and making an enormous profit and that uh, and. Uh, to highlight that was a really good thing. It's, it's unfortunate. I think the movement lost a bit of direction. So a lot of people they were getting big numbers onto the streets, and it seemed to me personally, and they deserve maximum credit for getting that. amount people out that maybe they, there wasn't the the planning to the next step to what to do with all these people, you know. Mm. But but everything they did should be commended, and
0: it really got a lot of people engaged. This might be a good way to bring it back into the stuff that you guys do in the cafe, because it seems to be that say people can. Obviously, like take back the city had a, a lot of support from a lot of people, but then there was another big group of people who were kind of looking at them, being like, "Well, I mean, agree that there's this housing problem, but we shouldn't be going about it on this way, like protesting mm-hmm. and all, and like you should just kind of sit tight and keep your, you know, like hands on your hands on your seat or whatever." Yeah. But yeah. then I think that uh, I would find it say with the work that we do here in in Cork, even though we're say like technically speaking, like a personal training gym, but do a lot of stuff like around that outside of it and in the, in the community and stuff like that as, as well. That having a platform like that where you can, it kind of gives you a good opportunity to connect with people and give people the op- opportunity for themselves to connect the dots in their own head and be like, oh, actually, this problem is going to come around on my doorstep eventually. Mm-hmm. So it's time to engage with it, I think. Would that be fair to say that that's kind of kind of stuff you are yeah, doing yeah.
1: there? Absolutely. T- like totally, I suppose, like a lot of people, Unfortunately I think uh, I think if you have time To think about issues You're in You're in a privileged position And that's That's I've I've begun to think that Over the last couple of years Which sounds like a strange thing Normally you think of privilege As being like You know Inheritance Or some kind of Some kind of uh, Monetary wealth But I think that uh, if, if you have time in your day to be able to consider, uh, you know, qu- questions about whether it's homelessness or, or education or, you know, a better society, that's actually a privileged position to be, in, to be in as well. And I think a lot of people don't have that space that for whatever reason, maybe they're, they're working huge hours and they've got, you know, a young child or for, got a family member who's sick. For whatever reason, they mightn't think about these issues. And if you can introduce those issues, In a, in a setting like a gym or a cafe or through social media in a way that can engage them. That's an important role to play because there's one thing that you can be sure of is that the media isn't going to do it. You know, the Irish Independent isn't going to, isn't going to, you know, uh, show people, you know, the problems in society because they're part of the elite. And the same, I think, can be said more and more so for RTE in that, the, you know, the, what you see in the news is just a regurgitation. You look at, you know, foreign policy in RT, which, and I, and I don't mean to go off track with this because it's a good example is if you look at something like, you know, a war in the Middle East or you look at Libya, they're just regurgitating what the British are saying and, and they're an imperial power. So what, what's happened is that the, the space where in the past where somebody could engage, maybe through the media or, you know, a newspaper or TV, to learn about and to, and to educate themselves on, on what's wrong with society, that space has shrunk. Mm. So it's up to other people to fill that. And it might seem mad that that can be a cafe or a gym, but it can be, and it can be. It can be anywhere. It can be someone who has a hairdresser. It can be you know just speaking to friends. And I think that if if people. uh if, if people have have had the privilege to identify some
0: problems in society, it's important then to tell other people about them. Yeah, like the thing that you mentioned about the media. I think I found personally from m- growing up in Belfast and moving into the south that in Belfast we had a, a much higher scepticism about the media in general. Growing up, and you just never took anything that was on the news at face value. Yeah, and I think that's probably coming around down here now as well. And <laughs> so, actually, I read a really good book recently by, by a guy called Darren McGarvey called Poverty Safari. I don't know if you've you heard of. It, but he's a it Scottish yet. rapper. And uh, then he, he kind of wrote this book, and the what you said there about kind of place small independent businesses being the link for people a lot of the time, I think, is a really strong position to be in, and like a useful position for communities because, in, say, his kind of point of view was that he was from kind of like a working class area in Glasgow, and it felt like the the help was always kind of like parachuted in from outside people like academics and stuff like that they're coming in to try and help you know like help the poor people and commas whatever and then get their phd done and then get out again so i think that it's a it's like a a much more sort of like healthy connection with the community when when the when the awareness is getting built from inside absolutely
1: yeah totally we've seen loads of loads of little things like lots of you know like People have come into us and they've said, "Oh, this is happening," or you know, there's a little local event. Or could you it just connects? I think it can be a space to connect people. So rather than being, if we talk about like back to the newspaper example, if if the media, let's say the, the media even was totally fair and balanced and 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 said this is wrong, this should change. There's very little opportunity to engage through the media. So it's a it's a one directional information flow. Whereas if you have something like a. a um a small business because in the past this role was probably played by you know in, in rural ireland you know people sitting around the fire having a chat deciding what was wrong and the fact that those things are gone if you have a a, a small business or a group of people who meet or whatever it is um it, it's a, a flow of information and ideas that are between people and people who are who are part of a place and it gives i suppose it brings a bit of empowerment and it can you can introduce uh you know people together socially to to um, bring about a bit of action and i think that um Again, like all those things, it seems mad to say that, oh, but you're, but you're selling coffee, but you, you can do that. And, and uh, I think if more businesses did it and maybe got away from this idea, because the, the, unfortunately, I, I, felt, I always look back at it as, well, like, why was I doing that? Like, I studied kind of business and economics, and I used to go into the class, and I really didn't like it. And it, what motivated me to stay with it was I was thinking, if you learn how big business works, you could work against it. That's literally how I ended up staying in the course, because it was like, that that would motivate me. And... Um, and, you know, you had people coming in from Diageo and everyone's falling over them. And I'm like, I remember asking a question the head of marketing from Diageo was in and everyone wanted to work for, for Diageo, you know? And uh, this guy was giving his presentation and he was like treated like a king. And uh, he was talking about their growth in Russia. Right, Russia has the highest rate of alcoholism in the world, right? This is like a guy coming in telling you about drug dealing in Ballymun or something. And uh, I said to him, you know, how how can you, you, know, you kind of boast about that? You know, like what about the health problems in Russia? You just, and the fella, he was... But, you know he had nothing to say and that was seen as uh, I remember one of the lecturers kind of questioning you know they brought in this guest how dare you kind of throw a question like that at them. and uh, but just think that you know when you look at a business the way everyone's sold business is that it has to be constant growth that you know oh, when, like we get people all the time when are you opening another bank? when are you gonna to have to and like that's that's a mad way to think about things you know that you have to keep having more and more and more that's why we're in a position that we're in with the environment everyone needs to have more money more this more that you don't need to do that you can you're able to set up a business have a couple of people that work there that hopefully they're pretty happy with it and they and, and they can make a bit of money and then uh, instead of trying to grow the business why not grow your impact in the local area you know through positive action that's that's a fine model and that could be better for ireland you know, than trying to say, oh, you know, you got to bring this thing to England or you got to vote in five more. You don't have to do any of that, you know?
0: This is class. This is, this is the reason I wanted to do the podcast together, because I thought, <laughs> I just felt that we were going to be kind of on the same vibration or something <laughs> like that. So I think that, I think that, uh, that actually is the, the gym version of Bang Bang and Bang Bangs, the, the cafe version of what we're doing <laughs> down in Cork. Um, like the way that I would look at it uh, in terms of um, like our business, the whole thing with the the social awareness stuff that we do, and even the, the service that we provide, it's always based on building a personal connection with someone, or it's giving someone a sense of place, making people feel like they're they're being heard, or that they have somewhere to go, and give them like kind of like a not not in a cheesy way, but like a kind of a supportive network of mm. people that kind of are kind of on the same same wavelength. And the, the purpose then that I would see of our business would be to provide like a really high standard of service in the same way that you guys provide delicious food and stuff like that (laughs) and then um like the guys that work in the gym like they're really really serious about what we do in terms of the professional work that we do but then outside of that then the purpose of a business for me is to eventually put something back into the community and so that it's a circle yeah like it's kind of like i've never studied like formally formally studied business or anything but it seems to be that like (laughs) the the trajectory of 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 a business, if you were going by the book in business, is kind of like a straight line where yeah. it's just like upwards, and the, there's only one person kind of benefiting from it. Exactly. There's yeah. not. There's no circle there. Yeah. So for for me, like it's about creating some sort of a circle where we're like kind of create a positive change. Yeah. With, within the community and further afield, which yeah. is actually how how we ended up here today because we're doing <laughs> things for Palestine.
1: <laughs> you say with the circle, like what the way I've tried to square this in my head is that we create. We we create right. If you think about uh, uh, graduates of uh, finance, right, commerce, that, those kind of areas, you think of graduates of, uh, to an extent, law and, um, uh, and and people basically who end up in like K- consultancy firms, the Big Four, these types of things, where you know governments commission reports from KPMG, PwC, but all these types of it's these people who operate in a weird place inside. Because if you if you study finance, right, or law, or uh, economics, or something. You don't actually produce anything tangible. You you know, you're not somebody who's going out uh, milking a cow or catching a fish or building a roof. You're not doing any of those things. What what you're doing is very kind of uh, opaque, quite difficult to understand, uh, because it's not real. You know, it's just, these are, like, the idea even of a banking network is supposed to be a facilitator for the... Economic system. It's not supposed to become a huge part of it, which it has. But basically, we're bringing out, we're educating these people in third level institutions. And what we're what we're celebrating and what we're rewarding people for is when negative human traits come to the fore. So, we're rewarding people for being greedy, rewarding people for elements of dishonesty, re- rewarding people for self interest, for over ambition, and we're taking these negative human traits and we're celebrating them. And we've you then create people who are interested in in money and more and and what they can get, you know. Uh, and we're not celebrating. And they do it a tiny way. You do like business ethics classes, and you know, there's things where oh, but you should do a bit of this. They call it CSR, like corporate social responsibility. That's done to better the main aim of the business, which is to making money. It's not done because it should be done, and it's the right thing to do. They've whole areas of this now in business where it's done because it looks good. It'll be good for money, which is mad. Um, but we're and that's the way we're educating people. We're taking people out of the school system, putting them into that, shaping them to portray these negative qualities. And then putting them forward, and I think that the, be- the best example for that for me, was, for me was the presidential election. Apart from Michael D, everyone else more or less were, were business people. Like from the Dragons Den, most yeah, of them. <laughs> but they they actually taught they and like you know their their self view was that because of they'd made a lot of money that this made them a, a, possibly a good president, which is absurd. We've actually that's how ingrained this viewpoint is that if you could, you know. And I think that that's totally mad and we need to try and get away from that and, and, and start, the, you know, really trying to push the positive human qualities to the fore.
0: There's a couple of things you said there that kind of like are uh, setting off a little less box in my head here to, to say something about. It. First of all, about the money, I think that personally looking back now, I wish that there had been some form of education around money in school mm-hmm. because or even in university somewhere along the line. Because whenever I started the business, I didn't have a clue about like tax or flipping revenue, all that kind of shit. Just did not have a clue about it, which actually ended up in oh, like starting a business and be like, right, okay, I have to learn as much as I can here about what you have to do to start a business and stuff. So I was doing all the marketing stuff and everything, It just kind of set the, the revenue stuff aside, ended up with a massive bill. Oh, just- like, ma- like, well, it's obviously all relative, but it was about, I think we had about... Uh, it was nearly 30 grand bill after the second oh, year from gosh. revenue the sheriff is on the phone to me he's like ah, i'm coming in <laughs> one day this is no joke and, and one day the sheriff who the sheriff or anybody who doesn't know if you have a bill with revenue and you don't pay it they send it on to the sheriff and the sheriff is the person <laughs> who comes to take all it's your great, shit away a great you, <laughs> so, yeah. you, you expect him to arrive on horseback i know i you? know with a badge you yeah, know yeah, yeah. so the sheriff rang me and he goes out. Uh, uh, I'm outside your premises, so coming in to make a seizure. Yeah, there's and no it, horses. And, black yeah. or <laughs> and it, luckily enough, we had a big, massive cage on the door at the time, and I wasn't there. But um, actually, the reason for that was the the payment—a missed one payment. It was only a couple of days late, though. Actually, <laughs> I was I was actually on the ball. So I was like, what do, you, "What do you mean you're making a seizure?" I was like, "We're only a couple of days late with the payment." Uh, anyway, I'm not there, so fuck off. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but um, basically. For me, like in terms of the cycle of of setting up the business and getting it up to where it is today, that was the low point for sure. Yeah, yeah. I remember walking home around about that time. It was pissing rain. I was walking from the gym to the apartment that I was living in at the time, getting drenched, just thinking, oh, this is a disaster. But then I just kind of had the realization that actually, well, first of all, I didn't have any choice because I had the debt to pay back, so I had to keep it going. But second of all, the biggest realization was that I'd been doing things for the first year or two where I felt like, these are the things that you're supposed to do in quotes yeah, yeah, by the book, yeah, yeah. but not the things that were, that were making me feel like we were making a real big difference or the, that it was something that I could really get behind 100%. Yeah. Even like I did like what we were doing at the time, but compared to what we're doing now, it's totally different where we, I just decided right from now on, we're going to re- redirect the money that's coming in and not give it to things like this might upset some people, but, um, who are working in advertising or marketing. Yeah, yeah, no, but, don't give it to them. <laughs> like that was that was that was the if you read the business book that's the thing like go and get yeah, uh, yes. advertisement saying like uh Google or Facebook yeah, or whatever you are spending anything. all the money there but what you said earlier resonated in the sense that you're you're not really creating anything with that money. Like no. that money's not going to create something that didn't exist before. You're just so, giving it to someone yeah. to go on the computer. And then some Facebook algorithm decides whether or not people so, are going to see your ad anyway.
1: Advertising is manipulation anyway. Like advertising, if you look into the history of advertising, it's it's seriously manipulative. That's what it's built upon. It's built on people who had a, who had a deep understanding of the human psyche. And like Facebook algorithms now are, are the whole system... Uh, I remember a friend of mine who, who's who's uh he's he's just far more knowledgeable on this stuff than me um, but he was explaining like about like, frontiers and there was a frontier you had a gold rush and then you've got a frontier where you've got you know seize land and you've got to, you know uh, get involved in tech and stuff and now he's like the frontier now is the human mind that you go onto Facebook you go onto Twitter it seems like it's free it's not free You're, you are the money you are the payment and it's mining your brain because it's it's designed so well so I think when you get into advertising it's manipulation if you do things if you uh. you uh, if you can somehow set up a business that genuinely has a net positive impact and that you're proud of, then you don't actually need to advertise. You don't need to manipulate because you can tell people what you're doing and they should they should buy into it. This should be something that they're into and they'll tell others. So you actually don't need to market, I don't think, if what you're doing is is true to itself and what you've set out to, to be, you know, because uh, anything else, uh, you get onto one of these these
0: companies they'll just trying right how can we frame this in this way but you don't need to frame something if it's, it's yeah like especially for us in terms of the marketing like a marketing in the fitness and health industry is an absolute scam it's 99 like, percent it's focused on making people feel like shit about themselves yeah, yeah. and then be like oh but we can we can help you sort that so out it's right? body shame, come you know? in here yeah, yeah, that yeah. so what we've tried to do is go completely the opposite of that and what you're saying about creating that net positive impact for me is the only way to go but it's Definitely not the short way. Yeah, in the sense that, sure. like, we we get that now where people know what we're doing. Like, say we had like a turn to the gym and then a club last year, raised a couple of quid for the Irish wheelchair rugby team. Amazing. This year we're doing it to open the gym in, in Palestine. But actually on on this week, it'll be over by the time this is, comes out. But on Saturday, we have a project we call it the, the Lone Moor, it's like a long table lunch. So we do it maybe four times a year where we get I uh, I don't know thirty foot tables down the middle of the gym and everyone brings food and shares it, and it's free. That's brilliant. So that's the kind of like, that. obviously that costs us money to run that, but for me, that's money much better spent where you're giving people a social outlet more people will get to know about what we're doing, which is oh, fine. And, then, and once yeah. you
1: leave money to one side, like even, even today, say like, the, like hopefully we're going to turn Angling into a bit of a nightclub now in a while, but... Like, you know, we're closing early, so there needs be, so be some people arriving for a latte. <laughs> <laughs> Kneecap <laughs> economy. <recovery. laughs> you know, but that's, I think that's brilliant. You know. But from a financial point of view, you had someone like, right, so you're going to close the shop early, right? And not taking any money. And, uh, you know, last night running around trying to get PA and make minds borrowing and microphones and stuff. It doesn't make any financial sense to do it, but it's a great thing to do. It's brilliant. It's going to hopefully raise some money for you for the gym. It, you know, some people will come and have a good time. It's a good thing to do. And I think that, you know, again, when you, when you, Take away this narrow focus of just like everything's about money and do stuff that you think are, are either a fun thing to do or the right thing to do, then you're
0: on a better road, you know. It's definitely, I mean, it, we just, we actually, we just dropped a flipping fair bit of money on this new cooker thing for these long table lunches. So they only have the long table lunches three or four times a year. And uh, they'll be good lunches that <laughs> they're going to be there. There's going to be pizzas at the next one, actually. Stone, <laughs> stone, big pizzas. Um, the, what, do you think you lose customers then because of your, the way that you're happy to get involved and engage with political uh, things?
1: Yeah, a, a few people have asked me that and things. Yeah, definitely. Um, and to be honest, I don't care. <laughs> I don't because it's our business. So as long as me and my sister are thinking, who cares, you know? So uh, f- yeah, people have come in before and you see them like, well, you know, I can, you know, people have come in. A guy came in a while ago shouting about the repeal mural and um I know around the time of appeal, it uh, was probably most pronounced because we, re- we really did get involved in that. Um, but, you know, me and my sister owned the business. We wanted to do it. We checked with the staff if they were cool with it because I wouldn't like to, you know, um, impose you. We, pro- like, you know, it was obvious that we know the staff, they were fully on board. Uh, so you do. And I think that's fine. I think that, that's totally cool. If someone comes in and doesn't like it, great. I think that, um, or not great, just, you know, I don't have to eat there. Um, they're welcome to if they want to. But what happens is, I think that people who are, who, who you know, do believe in these things, because so many uh, people play, play it safe and just don't really represent that. And like, I think there has been a, a homogenization of society, whether it's people listening to the same music because it's on, you know, Spin or FM 104, listen to this. To me, just, not, first of all, not local music, uh, music that's being pushed by big business or follow Premier League football teams or wear the same, you know, just it's being a hom- homogenisation. Football is a great example for me because you look at, like I'm, I'm huge into Bohemians, uh, but I think the Premier League is the best example of it. You, go, you drive through England and you're driving through small towns where your football clubs with amazing history um, and the kids are wearing the same four or five jerseys. You're in towns in Dublin. You're in Japan. You know, across the world, you're like, why is this happening? What you know, you've got your own football clubs. It's a universal game. Why have people become obsessed with these things? Because it's because back to advertising, mass marketing works. on people, if you put a lot of money behind some, it'll manipulate people's uh, thought processes and force them down certain ways. And that has happened across the board. And then when it comes to people having having small businesses, they can't compete on that mass scale. So what do they do? Just play it safe. Play it safe. Don't have any opinions. Play standard music. Have this new these new uh, minimalist coffee shops like Bangbang is the furthest thing that you could get from minimalist. Like, I went to these places and like, what is
0: this? There's nothing
1: here. There's not like not. There's nothing going on at all. It's really everything's super safe because that's a sure way to not piss anyone off. You know. So uh, yeah, we do lose people, and if you lose them, fine. I think that you know other people will be into it and it'll balance out, and at least you can be proud of it. Then
0: there's a a couple of years ago. Just just under two years ago, a year and a half ago, I went to a protest in the city, and it was like a, a video of it. And then someone seen it and come up to didn't come up to me, but come up to somebody else who was working in acting. And was like, I didn't think Anna would be out at a protest, or not. I mean, that's not going to be good for business. And uh, <laughs> 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 um, we did definitely take a bit of heat as well f- through the the work that we we're doing for Palestine. There was yeah, a couple yeah. of People were sending us um, letters, and- mostly through Facebook. Yeah, yeah. So there were, but uh, like the way that I would see it is if if that happens, and if. The shit hits the fan, and the whole thing feels and at least we'll go out doing what we believed in. Exactly, exactly. And if more people had that had that opinion, you know, in life would be it'd
1: be a better place. I think the, the easy thing to do is to go through life without opinions and without upsetting the, the apple cart. You know, and who does that benefit? Just benefits the people who are already doing really well. Doesn't benefit anybody else. You know what I mean? Doesn't doesn't benefit. You know. Uh, People in Palestine live under horrific conditions or it wouldn't have benefited, you know, if, if we didn't take any action, you know, there, there'd be still young girls and uh, and old girls and, all, you know, all, uh, whole groups of women traveling to the UK. You know, n- nothing would change if people don't get angry about things and, and don't say, nah, this is wrong, this needs to change. And your opinion, you know, your opinion today might be in the minority, but in 10 years time it could be the majority and be changing. it's those people who maintain their stance through, sh- through times where they aren't the, the loudest voice yeah, and keep things I, I think
0: I think it's probably important that we're having this conversation. Not that we're like, we're all, we, we know what we're talking about or anything oh, yeah, out there, but just, yeah. just, just in the way that this conversation isn't out there. If you're talking to, say, anyone who's talking about business, they're talking about the bottom line, That's the right. profit and the That's marketing right. and all the new things that you can do to get more people into your business and yeah. stuff like that there. Um, so, yeah, it is probably like important for people to step up to the plate in, term, in terms of that and not kind of like stay in formation. Yeah, I,
1: such. I think so. And it's not like... You know, again, it's not, it's not, an it's not, an, not that it's not an easy thing to do, but it is, I suppose there is risk in it, you know, um, if you're, you know, if you're, if people are coming in and they aren't and, and you lose them, I don't know, it's, it, it's all right, I suppose, us talking about it because it's maybe worked out and that might be true luck or whatever reason, you know, but I do think there is something in it that, that, that you can get away from this, this uh, obsession with making money and trying and, to uh, do stuff that you feel is right. I think there is there is uh, there is merit in doing that. And there is uh, something important and right about doing that. And whether it'd work all the time, who knows. But as you said, if it doesn't work out, at least you've been honest to yourself. Yeah. Uh, which is...
0: Are you right in to say that, I guess say our businesses are quite established in a sense mm-hmm. now, but definitely the, the actually is established compared to where it was for the first few years where it was like a big struggle and you're like fighting nearly every day just to keep things above water and what have you and whatnot. And that's a difficult position to be in if you're still trying to do something that's going to create a positive change. Mm-hmm. Not always, like say, you're not always running after the profit, but at the same time, there needs to be money on the table to pay the staff, <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. so you can pay your bills and stuff like that, pay the rent. So it's it's kind of like it's kind of like a, a tricky line to, to tread for me as well, and like you have to balance mm-hmm. creating a business is creating enough revenue so it's sustainable, and then the more you do that, if for me like the values are, are in the right place and the goals in the right place, then that creates more space to do the sort of like social awareness stuff. Totally. So they kind of go hand in hand, and this, I think that's like from a um. I guess from from an economic point of view, if you're looking at like kind of left, left, left wing organizations or groups and co ops and stuff, I think they all often fall down in that the business side of things and the thing that's putting the bread on the table disappears, where the values stay stay true. Yeah, and then the whole thing disappears altogether. Yeah, totally. So I've seen it in, in places in Dublin that vote exactly that, where the, the the the
1: kind of the principles and the guiding kind of. Uh, Guiding principles and, and you know and and the, and the morals around the bu- the business and what it stands for our, our collective space and things are excellent you know excellent everyone comes at it from a really a uh, really positive place and um, but if you don't have the balance of being you know of being aware that yeah, this thing needs to sustain itself it could it could disappear and yeah it's a constant thing trying to balance the two of them I suppose um, and but again I think it, because stuff has become so so the same everywhere you know i really do think people are are striving for something different i try and figure out you know like why are uh you know things like these um uh you know, like these fun runs where people like crawl under mud and all like why are so many people doing that stuff because because life has become gotten pretty boring you know like people are suing you for anything now like you're talking about cars driving themselves which to me, i love driving i'm a really old car i love driving smell of petrol great you know and then you get into this world where everything's gone ultra safe. You know, like soon you're, I heard people say, "I'll be great. My car's going to drive me to work. That's crap. I mean, <laughs> what, what are you going to do then? You're going to sit in bed, get up, sit in a chair, sit in your car, sit and work. Like, you know, so I think that uh, by doing just by, I think people are going around there like this stuff has become pretty boring. And if you, if you can bring a bit of a uh, bit of, you know, entertainment or a bit of discussion or a bit of fun um, into a, into somebody's day that they remember that because most people, most people aren't getting that through a, uh, through a lot of, you know, uh, whether it's businesses or just general day to day, moving about the place stuff is, that's why you get out to somewhere like, you know, we're talking about the Aran Islands earlier before you record recording. get out somewhere like that. And, you know, then, then it's real, you know, you're walking down and, and you just feel the, the wind and you, you know, you're looking around you and everything's a bit mad. That's great. And you know, I think that living, living in cities, especially, it can just, just feel a bit flat. So,
0: if you're, running a business in the city like in in essence you're kind of being, you're a part of a, the capitalist game there like in yeah. the sense it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about studying business and being able to kind of learn the rules of the game first so mm-hmm. you can get into the game and then make your own rules in a way and mm-hmm. kind of like disrupt from within
1: I think yeah I, th- I think that, I think that, you, that you, you can do that you know Um but I just yeah I, th- I think no one like you, you, you were saying earlier too about like no one revenue rules and stuff I think that the 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 way the whole thing is set up uh, and it's well highlighted. Like if you, you can look in. like everyone knows, you know, the city might attack Starbucks page or something, which is like, you know, totally insignificant. But w- what these big, big, big companies do is they get in, learn the rules and then manipulate them to the fullest extent for their own gain, you know, and use all this kind of transfer and money here and there funnel and profits through this and this and that. That's, that's the mega scale of doing that. Um, but what you can do is you can learn the rules and it's the simple rules and be able to know what they are. And to be able to just operate within them so you're not like, oh, how does this work? How does this work? And create a bit of free space then, rather than to make more money, create a bit of free space in your own time and your own head to do some good things. And that that's the other way of doing it. Uh, and that's the one that they're not going to, you know, put forward on, on these, you know,
0: business degrees. That's I it. Like no one's going to offer you those no, 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 for sure. You're <laughs> going to find them
1: out yourself. It doesn't suit society. They want you working loads and, you know, just working for one of these big
0: consultancy firms or something you guys have a big emphasis on like local products and also they like, kind of giving a uh, local artist a platform. Mm-hmm. So what's the story with that? Uh, I think with the
1: products is interesting because we, so we sell like, we sell honey from a, a beekeeper who's down in uh, strawberry beds, which is along the, the banks of the Liffey. Uh, I never knew a lot about honey till I opened the shop. And then uh, it turns out like you're buying, uh, you know, honey in a squeezy bottle in, in a supermarket. Like it's, it's really not good stuff. You know, it's not, it's blends of honey. It's basically just sugar. Um, but it is cheap, and then you know you realise a lot of this comes back to finances. So we, we were like, the honey, we sell is a great honey, and uh, it's it's uh, it's it's from a set of strawberry beds, and we've got loads of products in the shop. Um, we've this chocolate that's made around the corner, and we've got organic milk from Carlo, and this whole list of stuff pesto made by this nice couple in Stony Bear. And the more I, uh, we, we we're selling a lot of that stuff, and that is the right thing to do. But then I guess you're thinking about that that there is this kind of. Uh, there's a social inequality in what you're able to eat and not eat because this stuff isn't isn't cheap. And it's not that we're making a lot of money on it or the person producing it is making a lot of money. They're actually not. They're, they're probably making less than the guys making the cabries or something. Um, but unless you have a certain disposable income, you can't access that. So we've really tried to balance out in the shop, uh, you know, what we charge and what we can offer. So like our, our sandwiches are pretty cheap. And we have a mix of things going on there. So basically, like, we use Arun bread, which is a really nice bread made in Smithfields each morning delivered to us. Um, but if we were to go using, and we, we sell, say, McCrew mozzarella from Cork. If we were to go putting McCrew mozzarella on our sandwiches, they'd be €3 Euro or €2 Euro more expensive. And them sandwiches then you know, go out of the reach of people. So we've tried to balance it and to have a mix of what are seen as really good local products which just with some normal products to enable it to be cost effect you know to be to be basically accessible to people and uh, that's something I, I still try and like get your head around or comprehend like you know how, how do you do both of those things which is a weird one because most places they either have cheap and cheerful food which is cheap you know going to just a standard you know uh, coffee shop and you're getting a sandwich for three or four euro and it's just you know uh you know brennan's bread or whatever totally fine uh, or else you go into a place especially in Dublin and you probably have, have an, around the country now I've seen some places in in, uh, in Belfast and Limerick where you go in and, and everything is top stuff but the sandwich is a tenner and I, I don't both of them aren't aren't perfect so we're trying to do a bit of, somewhere in the middle do you know what I mean is like a difficult space to occupy but that's what we've tried to do but the local stuff in the shop is great uh, it's to support local people to buy it directly from them we buy our eggs directly from the farmer we buy the honey directly from the beekeeper we buy lots of things directly from the people who make it and um, And then with the artists that just developed, I'm lucky enough to be friends with some artists and lots of artists come into the shop and I've gotten to be friends with them and uh, be chatting to them. And they were saying if they leave their stuff into a place, a lot of time the place takes about half the money. Like I couldn't believe that. You know, it's just, again, that's the mentality people approach a business with. So we sell loads of stuff for people and give them all the money. Uh, we don't take on we just have to take cash because i uh, have to give them the cash i don't know if, they're, if you're meant to do that with revenue or whatever but uh, uh, beat this part out yeah yeah so we do a lot of that and it's good because uh we don't get out from it but you know they're they're getting proper money for the stuff they've made and when people come in they're getting to to have a look at some stuff that's coming directly from someone seriously lincoln you're cutting out all this middle bit
0: yeah in essence that's kind of the same principle uh as like you're investing in your time and stuff like that into the local community, exactly. To to and as that does come around to the business eventually. Yeah, but yeah. You've created something that that didn't exist before. Exactly. In essence, when you I do think
1: with business or with person or how you conduct yourself, like if you go around and you're and you generally like everyone has an off day or whatever. But if you're generally nice to people and do your best to be sound to people, you know. Uh, You know, the the response to people can are they take advantage of your generosity or whatever, and screw you, and that could happen. But I think over time, if you if you're a nice person or 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 you've a nice you've a nice business or a little thing going, over time you get that back. I think it's like you know whatever you put out there, you really do get back, and it mightn't be you know always equal, but over time it will be equal.
0: It's interesting you're talking about the local food there and the, sort of like the, the, the price disparity between getting food that's been locally sourced compared to like going into Aldi and buying your vegetables yeah. in there much cheaper. But um, a friend of mine, Jack Crotty, set up a company called, our business called Neighbour Food right. in Cork. At the minute, it's a flipping genius business. So it's basically an online farmer's market. You go on the website and then all the, all the farmers and the suppliers are on the website. You make a little basket uh, and then you buy it and then you go on Tuesday and pick it up. So it just so happens at the, the pickup point in cork, is just right across the road from the gym. So it's Amazing. it's perfect. But I was trying to think as well, like in terms of the prices, it it, it can be more expensive to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it comes down to like kind of picking the products that actually give you more value for being a little bit more expensive compared yeah. to the products that are just more expensive because they're sort of like artisan product and mm-hmm. they're kind of like somebody's making them in their kitchen or like in a small on a small scale. So say like the things like the chocolates are more expensive. That's someone who's making them on a small scale, kind of like a cottage industry or whatever and I think like if you're if you're treating yourself to something like that once every so often, then that's cool, but if your band loses them, that's going to break your, your back. But then the things like the chicken, yeah, yeah it's is better to eat way better quality. Sure. Like no matter how cheap the chicken in the supermarket is, mm-hmm. it's shit quality anyway. Yeah. So you're better off spending a little bit more on that. There it's kind of probably finding a balance between those
1: yeah, two yeah. things. No, I totally, totally agree with you. Like does does this thing? What what gets me? And I don't know why, why my head's gone here, but I put here. You know, the the gentrification kind of thing has been hinted at by people about us before, right? And, uh, and that really annoys me, right? Because if you think about something, and gentrification is a real thing, is a real phenomenon, absolutely, right? Uh, but what gets me sometimes is, and it comes back to like the cost of food, right? If, uh, let's say, a spa or a McDonald's or a Centra opens in an area, right, or a Costco or one of these things, a Topaz garage, no one will ever, ever say that that's gentrification, right? But that business goes in and people uh there's no owner first of all so it's centrally owned it's just some you know franchise model or whatever so there's no no local person benefiting uh as as some kind of owner or whatever else uh they're hiring um minimum wage staff and zero hour contracts and what they sell is pretty bad quality stuff or very low cost stuff but not you know i mean talk about like um for your health or whatever if you talk about like say mcdonald's or something coming in and uh there's no real benefit to an area at all. But then somewhere it opens that's independent, and sometimes then people link that gentrification, like, oh yeah, you know, that's that's a gentrification. Like, well, hold on, like we've got local people working in here. Uh, you know, we're trying to improve the area, we're trying to sell some stuff that local people have produced. They're actually trying to really improve the area. And I understand that places can open and be and be super expensive, which is not what we've tried to do at all. Um, and, and thankfully haven't done. As I said, like the food is 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 well priced, it's not out of the range of most people. Um and I, I just find that a, a really interesting one that happens quite a bit in Dublin, especially, where sometimes uh, a place can open and because it's independent, it's somehow linked as being an agent of gentrification. And the two aren't the same thing at all, you know. Mm. When it comes to, like you said, about how people eat and what they eat, I think totally, you need to be more aware. Everyone needs to be more aware, really, of the fact that something costs, you know, you buy you know a chicken fillet for six chicken fillets for three euro in some place or whatever that's terrible of course it's terrible like think of the life that that chicken had uh that's not good for anyone to be eating but again that's what a capitalist society does try and squeeze people's time give them less disposable income and then they're forced to buy things that that aren't aren't beneficial to them and maybe make them unhealthy over time
0: on that note of gentrification like that's definitely something that they've had in my head uh loads of times and thought about and try to come up with with a way to kind of tread that line between doing something that's of high value of kind of good quality Mm -hmm. and that gives proper employment opportunities to people who are working there and gives a proper service to the people who are coming to us and like that that does cost money like because that's that's just the, the, the way it is but at the same time then the way i've kind of tried to get around it is that that we do the things that around our professional service that are always free like the long table lunch the book club that we have the movie nights that we put on mm-hmm. and the other events so that it's completely accessible by, by yeah, everyone no barriers. Yeah, yeah yeah so
1: that's a really good way of looking at it. It's, it's, it's it is a tricky one I think that it's just uh it just really frustrates me yeah when like I said when a McDonald's can open in an area and that's somehow seen as you know oh yeah it's great it's not great you know it's not a good thing at all but then someone opens independent, and I, your your suggestion there of yeah, more more free events totally, or including people, um, you know, is the way it should go. And I think we've we've generally since we've opened, we said at the start, like if someone ever comes in, and we put open for stuff like if people are on strike and that. But if anyone ever came into the shop and quietly said, look, uh, you know, and it, and it has happened not not many times, but it has happened a couple of times, maybe with people who are who are homeless and things, and they said, look, I don't I don't really have any money, could I get a bit of food? Of course, they can get food, you know, absolutely, um. There's no, no issue with that at all, and I hope that that people would be would be able to do that, and and again, more society should be like that. That if someone was to come in and say, "Look, things aren't going too well," could could, could you give us a hand, whatever it is? You know, if it was someone to you for a couple of hours in the gym, I think as a human being, of course, should respond well to that and say, "Yeah, absolutely." You know, so I think
0: interesting thing you said there about the McDonald's and stuff going into areas a couple about a, two years ago, and I actually walked from our house. our our home house in in West Belfast to the city centre which is three miles even and counted did a tally of all the businesses and it so three miles I don't know if you want to have a a hazard a guess but how many takeaways were in that Uh, three mile stretch
1: right can I say 20
0: over 60 oh god yeah so and as well then at the same time around about the same time the uh, constituency report came out for West Belfast West Belfast has got the highest rate of every disease going from like diabetes, ca- diabetes yeah, cancer yeah. blood pressure yeah. uh, and the, the death rate from all those diseases as well is very high and we're inundated with like shit food yeah and so i've been I've actually talked to quite a few people about how how we would like address that but it, it's kind of like it's a complicated issue i guess
1: totally and it's and it's it, again i think like we were saying earlier about accessibility to food of you if you if you squeeze people enough and you 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 know you have it that either their mortgage is so big or their wages are so low or, or you just make it so difficult for them just to survive as a person um uh that you know some people are just forced into eating just really really low quality stuff because it's the only thing that they can afford and the other thing that is around that like education i think you need to educate people on what is what is good for them and what you know what's what they should be maybe eating in in schools and and yeah, it's a tricky one because you get the semblance of, I've heard people say as well, like with fast food, people are choosing to yeah uh, but you know, it mightn't always be that simple, you know, you're kind of, uh, with, with kids, like even the idea, I never thought of this, I was chatting to to my partner there last week, we were talking about uh, Happy Meals, she was talking about, I'd never thought of this, and I was like, geez, you're right, she was saying, uh, like, think about Happy Meal, all right? if you're a kid, it's basically in, it's a present it's wrapped. It's like a present. It's like a box that you guys are bringing and in it is a toy. <laughs> like, like what we said earlier about advertising being manipulative. See, ultimate manipulation. You've basically created this thing that's really bad for the kid. packaged it like a gift that they'd get from Santa, and in it put a toy. That's mad. Like that shouldn't be allowed. You know, it's so clever in a way, but dangerously evil as well. You know.
0: Yeah, I guess another another thing where it's kind of related related to the point that you're making there about people say. On the, out, on the surface, looks like they're choosing to eat certain foods. But when you dig a little bit deeper, actually, it's quite topical at the minute. But the nurses, like, I know they do a night shift. Yeah. What yeah. else are you going to eat? Yeah. You're after working your ass off for flipping 12 hours from seven o'clock in the evening to seven o'clock in the morning and you're at home or whatever, go to sleep, get up, and you need something that's kind of fast. So yeah. if the options are like, if you're inundated with, with those kind of options, then that's kind of what you're going to go for, I guess. Yeah.
1: And all that all comes back to that, it was like, I think we've chatted about at the start is that when, you, when people create businesses or create, uh, enterprise or whatever the whole thing that they aim for from the start because it's what they're they're educated to do is scale make it big make a lot make a lot of money you know and then that that trick goes right down to the now. there so you have a farmer you have it drinks or whatever it is so you take you know in, in the past in ireland where you had these small farms and people produced little bits they were never going to become wealthy you know they were going to just have enough but they would good food and they were maybe selling that at a market and what the end product people were eating was probably a good product but then you create this society where everything has to be bigger. Or you can't have a small farm. You know, you've know, you got to multiply this, sell more of this. Farms become bigger and bigger. Machinery use becomes more complex. Then they need more and more meat, so they're using fillers. And this capitalist cycle just just perpetuates itself until what, the, what you have is you've gone from a really good product to a really bad product. But it works for capitalism because instead of having a few people making a, a little bit of money, you're having one or two people making a lot. And that's all capitalism cares about. A couple of people making a lot of money. So the end product becomes irrelevant in the whole system once it serves a few people to become elites, then it's worked.
0: I think like a really good uh, sort of thing that highlighted that fact for me recently was the fact that you know they came up with that thing uh, the other day is to say that everyone needs to stop eating meat and everyone is, is eating ninety percent less meat, and that just really got me in the sense that like they're that's the people, the big companies in the world who are causing the vast majority of the global warming and the yeah. destruction and the wars in, in the country are turning on us. The individual people say, "Here, if you're causing this here, yeah. you know, stop eating meat. Pass it over to us." Yeah, yeah. Sure. and as well as that, in, in an Irish context, like we're blessed in Ireland with the meat that we have. I, I wouldn't say that we're a part of. The same industry the global, that's producing yeah. all the flipping greenhouse gases, wiping out the Amazon. Yeah, I think and there's
1: balance and everything. Like there, is, there is some merit in the. In, but I, like basically, what you're saying, yeah, they switch everything back to the individuals. So like you know, it's it's your responsibility to do this, and everyone has a responsibility. But basically, like you know, I, I think it was it was hilarious that the government came out with the, the coffee cup uh, ban because that's a good idea. It's a drop in the ocean, but it's a good idea to ban non... You know, we, we use compostable cups, as most places do, but a lot of places still use these plastic cups and and non-recyclable things. And, you know, government came out a while ago, I think it was last year, they said they're going to be banning, banning these single-use cups, right? That, on this on the face of it, is a really good thing. And it is a good thing, but it's still it's, it's just, like earlier, it's just distraction. We're building a second runway in Dublin Airport, you know? We have board Fulcher trying to bring jets from around the world into Ireland. Like, these things... Are infinitely more harmful than a coffee cup. You know, it's all distraction. They, they, you cannot have one arm of government who's caring about the environment while the other one is trying to bring as many airplanes and cruise ships into this country as possible. You know, again, again, it's just there's no joined up thinking on this stuff, and it just try and place the blame. Yeah, on individuals. Individuals have a role to play, but big corporation and big policy is where the real change can, can
0: happen. Look, on it? a personal level, I think I try and get myself to the place where. Um, sort of like fulfilling my civic responsibilities in terms of not causing damage or using his little sort of like uh, single-use plastics and all that kind of stuff Yeah, personally. But then I think it's also important for me anyway to to sort of try and keep my eyes open to the bigger picture as well Mm -hmm. and sort of like try and point the finger at that whenever the opportunity arises. Yeah. I think it's important. See, with um, Bang Bang, like, did you sit down and work out... a set of values or something like that at any stage and be like this is what we're going to be about
1: no no we didn't formally do that to be honest uh as as it went on i suppose at the very start first first kind of few few months it was more like because uh, we never worked anywhere in food or in a shop, right? and like um just trying to get a handle on what was going on really and then very quickly we were like right you know w- we'd care about this so we're gonna you know highlight this issue and then it just kind of became, I suppose. What, what became uh, became apparent was that we could easily transfer what we thought were important issues, and and lots of other people did that maybe weren't being put out there, and we could use that as a platform to put them out there. But now is probably a good time to do that. We're think, thinking about that recently, and probably a good time to maybe, uh, you know, take stock of things that you could. But I think it's it's constantly moving. I think you can you can like th- things come up and things you hadn't considered before. And like for me personally, the, uh, they like they're they're. Um, the appeal kind of campaign i like I didn't know a whole lot about about that you know beforehand um, and how the men's meetings happened that I think this is a great, like good example of how just stuff couldn't change like I was I was for appeal but I'd never really considered the impact that that law had had on on women and, and, and how different ways that, that could manifest itself you know and uh, there was a, a woman asked could she organise a meeting uh, in the shop uh, it's called Everyday Stories and they had testimonies from different, um, um, kind of people who'd been affected by, by the, uh, Eighth Amendment. And what happened was she asked, could you have at this meeting? I was like, yeah, of course you can. I'll open up the place for you and make some tea or whatever. And, you know, I'll hang around till these are leaving. And, uh, when I got there anyway, I was just making, had a couple of cakes and stuff to give them. And there was, I think, 30 women. Um, and i was the only man there was a really unusual you know position to be in so it's just it's a bit odd and i was sitting there and they played the stories uh over the the uh, speakers and some of them are very upsetting and just you know different some are very difficult to listen to and uh, so there's a lot of probably emotion in the room for sure and i became more aware as this was happening that i was the only man in the room and then uh, they had a discussion and uh, some people, you know, said some very personal things maybe that they had never said to strangers before. And uh, I was thinking, what, this is, I kind of got angry, more angry than I, than I ever was. Because it was always like, said for the, the repealing of the Eighth Amendment. But I was just, I was, like, and I was like, why is there no men here, you know? So I was saying to the, to the woman who ran it, I was like, uh, are you getting many men to these meetings? And she was like, no, nah, not really at all. And I was I was only there because I had to open the place up. I was like, geez, like this is more men need to know about this because I think a lot of men saw that issue as something that didn't really affect them, you know, uh, unless it was something maybe that happened to their partner, but saw it as something, maybe that was a woman's issue. That was totally the wrong way to look at it. And I knew people that would have looked at it that way. And uh, so from that just chance, then started doing the men, men's meetings and, you know, we're getting, I'm streaming some of them and getting thousands of views Um and, and, yeah, just just demonstrate, I suppose that things can change really quickly. Or just if you if you put if, if you put yourself out there to trying to get involved in campaigns or to change things for the better, it can open your eyes to stuff that you'd never considered at all. You know, it's probably a really long winded way yeah, of saying
0: that. It's it really interesting that, that you say that that way. That that's a, that story about the men's um, meetings because I did a podcast actually with Father Des Wilson. Like he's a a hero in in West Belfast and Ireland in general. I coincidentally baptized me and my brother Carborough in his, oh, in his yeah. house uh, because he was kind of like uh, running courses and for people who had suffered domestic uh, violence and stuff like that, baptised Nisha in a mass rock uh, in Collin Glen in the forest. No Marry, wonder, he
1: had it yeah. set from the start. How could I, <laughs> I go know, after
0: that? Actually, I actually found the news report uh, from a picture of him getting baptised and in the news report said a British Army helicopter hovered over <laughs> the christening for the whole duration and... Uh, father days I married my man and he's 93 years old did a podcast on, so he was talking about the, the house that he had set up right. uh when he when he kind of like uh i guess kind of formally se- separated in a way or informally separated from from the catholic church because of a stand with the, the nationalist communities in belfast during the 70s and the 80s and he was saying oh, we were, we were, i mean we we're running seminars and courses all the time to help people get get an education and, and better themselves. Of course, we didn't call them seminars or courses. We just said they were like, whatever a, a day to get together, and yeah, then they'd yeah. have this thing on where it was kind of like a it was purpose purposefully kind of informal. I think I think just kind of kind of yeah, kinda, get, kinda, people said, yeah then, get people yeah. in and kind of get people together and then and uh, put it in that kind of setting. Uh, I was going to ask you something else, aren't I? Uh, oh, the thing about the values we did that. Uh, and like you said, it is, it is something that kind of changes. and It's kind of like a, a moving goalpost, but we kind of identified four things that we were going to... you going to share it with us? Oh yeah, well, if you want to. yeah. I mean, <laughs> so well, the, fir- the first one, anyway, from a, from a training point of view, a big thing for us was the to be helping people move with quality. Mm-hmm. So that kind of relates to the way, if you go into a gym, a commercial gym, you'll just see people just doing stuff, like maybe they'll have their headphones on, watching a screen, mm-hmm. and they're doing it sort of like uh mindlessly or just kind of like doing yeah, it like yeah. a hamster in a wheel just doing it for that's the sake kind of, of robotic almost yeah exactly so our thing was to, to help people move get their bodies moving with better quality um to encourage people to eat real food and mm-hmm. step away from the whole commercial or the whole kind of like advertising thing of supplements and diets and stuff like that there and yeah. that's kind of where the the long table lunch idea came from and so it's the, wholesome and real and yeah. it's like so to get people together and to bring back the to kind of bring back Communal eating, Mm -hmm. uh, sharing recipes, getting local produce whenever you can, cooking food yourself Mm -hmm. as often as you can, um, then that the business would create a positive change. Is a big thing for us. That's right. like one of the main purposes. And then, the lead lead by example and the stuff that we're doing, so we're not like telling people to do one thing and then yeah, doing, doing something doing. else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they've been kind of the four kind of pillars that we've just been we like run everything that we do through, That's great. through, I might, through, I have through those pillars. Listen, listen back and write those down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it has been good because it's actually freed us up a lot of the time. It frees up a lot of the thinking. Because you don't have you have that filter and you just like yeah does is it this, fit into this yes. does it fit into this if yeah. it doesn't fit into it then you're like nah just throw it away straight away instead of spend three weeks working on it then yeah. they'd be like yeah <laughs> no <laughs> it didn't fit that's brilliant now you're right and it is like to have things like that are key like I think if you don't set set yourself
1: parameters like that I think it's important even to do that stuff personally we should do it for the shop just to say yeah these are what you know are important to me and if something's outside of that maybe you know, that isn't time well spent or maybe that that that's misdirected energy because you have a certain amount of energy and you should be trying to use it maybe to further what you're about
0: either individually or as a collective. I feel though, I get the sense from you guys that you probably don't have to write it down. Ah, I was and a lot of people are going to sense it. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of bursting out of you. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I might
1: try. I might try. I'm going to take your, take your uh, one or two of those and definitely
0: re- regurgitate them for ourselves. Wait, so we've been going for an hour and five minutes. I guess we'll, we'll finish up. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we we'll can get down and uh, yeah, get set up, set a up for a for kneecap. But um, what's, what's in the future for Bang Bang?
1: Eh, uh, I don't know. Like, basically I said there, I think, uh, it's, it's, it's hopefully going to stay. Like, uh me and my sister co-own it. Um, I'd have to chat to her. She had a baby recently, so uh, she's uh, she's on maternity leave, and that's my first niece or nephew. It's really exciting. So uh, I think we've we're both kind of living in the area. I'd I'd like to do some other things unrelated to food, totally. And but I'm not. I've other ideas and see maybe what they are. But I think the shop. I'd love to. I'd love the shop is there. Like in 20 years, you know. I think uh, it's when you see it later on. Um, it kind of sits in the middle of a proper community. Uh, there's no other shops near it there's no other retail units or businesses it just sits there in a nice community in a nice place uh under the floodlights of daily mount park i love daily mount. It sits there and uh so yeah i'd hope that i could keep doing good and that people people go there enjoy it but staff like being there and just that it's just an, a nice thing that's not i, I don't there i don't really see there being a second one or anything like that but
0: yeah that's what i think what's the best way for people to get in touch
1: uh just come up and have a chat, or like we have Facebook like everyone else, whatever. But I think, yeah, people are passing through Dublin. We've got lots of people drop in. It's funny, we get people one woman dropped in two or two weeks ago from Cork and she said she was in Dublin visiting somebody in hospital and she'd seen us on the internet. She thought we were a charity. <laughs> and she dropped in for tea. That's lovely, like you know. So I think if people are in Dublin, uh, you can get the Lewis out and come in and say hello. Um, you know, even if you just want to come in and, sit and have a cup of tea and sit around for a chat, you know, drop drop by. Class. Debbie. Thanks, William. No bother, no matter at all.
0: What did you think about that? I thought it was class. Karamela for taking the time out of your day to sit down and record that conversation with me and especially for facilitating that daytime gig in the unbelievable Bang Bang Cafe in Phibsborough. As I was saying earlier on, if you're in Dublin or even if you're not in Dublin, just get yourself up there and go in and say hello and have a cup of tea, a cup of coffee and a bit of food that's the 33rd episode of the rebel matters podcast in the bag as i was saying earlier on go to the rebel matters instagram page if you're an old instagram user rebel underscore matters and give us a like, share the podcast around with your mates and give us a five star rating and review wherever the hell you're listening to these beautiful vibrations. And hopefully you'll be back next week. Next week's episode is with Shana Bratnock and I'm releasing it specifically on the 8th of March because that is the day before Bobby Sands' birthday and Shana was a close friend and comrade of Bobby Sands and the episode was recorded a few months ago up in the chambers of Belfast City Hall, a place where a Republican would not be let past even through the back door or the front door and Shana was in there and he sat down and took the time out of his busy day to record a podcast with me where he shares his personal story about um, how he ended up involved in the Republican movement in prison and, and friends with Bobby Sands and how he lived through the very dark periods of the hunger strikes and came out the other side in a way and is still heavily involved in the Republican movement. Next week's episode is another one of those situations where I had to make the decision whether to record it in Irish or in English. I've known Shana for quite a long time and I've never spoken English to him in my life. So the episode was recorded as Gaelic in the City Hall. It's going to be an opportunity for you to practice your couple of focal and brush up on your Gaelic. And as I was saying in the last Irish episode, if you haven't got enough Irish to follow along with the episode, then I'll put a bit of an intro in at the start so you have a bit of a reference point to go and look up some stuff that's connected with the episode in your own time and then you can go off and uh, download Duolingo and start practicing your couple of fuckle with your karja, and then you'll be able to come back and listen to it fully and understand what the crack is. I'm releasing that on the 8th, as I say, because it's Bobby son's birthday on the 9th and I think it's going to be um, a really good time to release it. It was... Uh, an emotional conversation with Sienna, and one that I think you're going to really enjoy listening to. So tune in next week, as I was saying earlier on, it's seven seven o'clock in the morning on Friday. The episode comes out. You can listen to it wherever you usually get your podcasts: iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, on the apps, on the different types of phones, and it's also on Libsyn and it's on the Rebel Matters website, RebelMatters.ie. So I'm back next week, and uh, we'll get stuck in that together. Gigi and Ella Akara. Kenny Fury look after yourselves if you see an opportunity to do something nice for someone just go off and fucking do it nothing to lose and be my live living chat and chucking. slang of file.